You've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Heck, you survived another year. Happy New Year. Hot Chicks. News of 2010 in review. Some thoughts about time and just some wrap-ups. For a year with almost 52 episodes straight. Coming up next on your favorite righteous podcast, The Urban Shooter. Crossbreedholsters.com presents The Urban Shooter Podcast. Thank God for an expert. The weekly pro-gun variety show featuring the internationally known black man with a gun, little friend, and brother from a different mother. That's what I call a close encounter. Ken Blanchard. Love it. This is a star. You're going to love it. It's a classic. Welcome back to another fun-filled, factual, and low-fat episode of the Urban Shooter Podcast. I had a great Christmas. Everybody was home, and it was peace in the house. And I gave my wife her wedding ring, and uh, she liked it. I'm going to ask for those that pray, though, to pray for my missus. She's going through something right now. I'm not quite sure what, but uh, it's going to turn out all right, I'm sure. How you doing? Love the uh, the well wishes, the thoughtfulness you guys showed me, the love over the holiday, um, folks on Facebook, the emails, and the encouragement. I mean, you can't get enough encouragement in this negative world. You know, I've actually unsubscribed to some podcasts just because of the negatives of some of the people. I get enough of that day to day. You know what I'm saying? Saw so this old person's prayer said, um, uh, God, grant me the senility to forget the people I never liked anyway, the good fortune to run into the ones I do, and the eyesight to tell the difference. That's kind of how it is. For this Christmas, I've been supporting Apple. I mean, I got Apple everything. I think even my underwear got a little Apple sign on it. Or was that Fruit of the Loom? Oh, well, you know what I'm saying. We got Zombie Strike. We have uh, just some thoughts about time, you know? Time is the most valuable thing we have, and people don't pay much attention to it. We're getting into that New Year's season, and everybody's talking about resolutions and time, and this is the 53rd episode for 2011. Can you believe that? I actually did 52 um, from end to end. Every week, didn't miss one in, tw- in 2010. Time is free, but it's priceless. And you can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. And once you lost it, you can never get it back. I'm glad you took a time to let me talk to you, to spend some time with me. My friends, you mean so much to me. I mean, really, you do. And it's getting better all the time. I got folks like uh, Trucker Rich and Miguel, Richard, John T., Appreciate you guys, man. Thanks for your words. Ed, you just continually, man, make me smile and remind me of how silly I am. Shadrach, I ain't forgot about you, brother. Hope Delaware is treating you well. Reese, love you, girl. Layla and Shad, hope the snow isn't too bad right now. Mark, thanks, man. All the folks in Arizona that listen, thank you for being there for me. 
Hey, and to the Tigers at LSU. Hey, hey, hey. Frank, haven't forgot about you, man. Thank you for the tips about CEO and SEO and OOP and PPO and whatever else you was helping me with. Father Daniel, thank you, man. Mike, can't say enough good stuff about you guys. Lloyd, man, you made um, 2010 a happy time, especially all you guys who came into the city and said, hey, man, if you got a few moments, can you come see me? That was kind of cool. And Bill, again, thank you, man. That guitar is off the chain. Art, as always, man, thank you. And you. Yeah, you. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach me, I made a few changes. My toll-free number is still, though, 888-675-0202. But my website, oh, my website. I was doing some work on the net. I was learning about SEO and about what makes your website pop and all that stuff. And I found out that I had too much going on. I was kind of watering down my power, you know, my juice. So there was KenBlanchard.com. And now BlackManWithAGun.com is the major force for everything that I have. If you want to find the show notes for the Urban Shooter podcast, they are now on BlackManWithAGun.com. That's right. Everything. Even starting something new in 2011 called the Concord Bridge Group. And I'm not sure how big that's going to get, but it could be huge. I actually want to do something with a whole bunch of people, make actually maybe a nonprofit organization, and we take care of poverty and responsibility and take back our communities. If you're into that kind of thing, send me a note. Let's talk about what I want to do. I have some vision. I think it's time to to step up to the plate. And if you're ready, let's step up to the plate with episode 198 of the Urban Shooter Podcast. Getting back to school, getting back to school, I remember a teacher that I had. Now, I I I went through the seventh grade. I went to the seventh grade. I left home when I was 10 years old because I was hungry. I used to, this, this is true. I work in the summer, I go to school in the winter. But I had this one teacher, he was the principal of the Harrison School in Vincennes, Indiana. To me, this was the greatest teacher, a real sage of, of my time, anyhow. He had such wisdom. And we were all reciting the Pledge of Allegiance one day. And he walked over, this little old teacher, Mr. Laswell was his name. Mr. Laswell, and he says, uh, <clears throat> He says, I've been listening to you boys and girls recite the Pledge of Allegiance all semester, and it seems as though it's becoming monotonous to you. If I may, may I recite it and try to explain to you the meaning of each word. I, me, an individual, a committee of one, pledge dedicate all of my worldly goods to give without self-pity allegiance my love and my devotion to the flag our standard O glory a symbol of freedom wherever she waves 
there's respect. Because your loyalty has given her a dignity that shouts freedom is everybody's job. United. That means that we have all come together. States. Individual communities that have united into 48 great states. 48 individual communities with pride and dignity and purpose. All divided with imaginary boundaries, yet united to a common purpose. And that's love for country. And to the republic. Republic. A state in which sovereign power is invested in representatives chosen by the people to govern. And government is the people. And it's from the people to the leaders. Not from the leaders to the people. For which it stands. One nation, one nation, meaning so blessed by God, indivisible, incapable of being divided, with liberty, which is freedom, the right of power to live one's own life without threats, fear, or some sort of retaliation. And justice, the principle or qualities of dealing fairly with others. For all. For all. Which means, boys and girls, it's as much your country as it is mine. And now, boys and girls, let me hear you recite the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Since I was a small boy, two states have been added to our country and two words have been added to the Pledge of Allegiance under God. Wouldn't it be a pity if someone said that is a prayer and that would be eliminated from schools too? Every now and then, it's a good idea to go back through that. And remember, my email address is blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. So tell me, what you got prepared for 2011? It's going to be a new year. Yeah, opportunities. Or it could just be you turn a page on the calendar. Could be nothing. You know, don't count every hour in a day, but make every hour in the day count. I was looking at some uh, some tapes of some folks doing IDPA and some competition shooting. And you know what I thought? We get so caught up in time that in reality, we forget some stuff. And if you train like you shoot and you shoot like you train and you practice wrong, when something bad happens, you usually do the same thing. I was watching some YouTube clips of some folks doing some, you know, competition shooting. And it just dawned on me that it's all a game. It is. It isn't that real. Know why I know? Because time factor is not in it. In reality, you do not go charging 
into anything in reality. You don't. You use cover and concealment at the last possible time. I mean, you just, you hold that thing as long as you can. If you get confronted against a bad guy, you should be putting something between you and him or her. You don't rush to do anything in a real gunfight. You don't. Everything you do, even if it's to shoot faster than the other guy, is calculated, not just blasting. It's not. You do not run around from cover to cover. You do not expose yourself unneedlessly. You will not just go blazing out. And if you do go blazing out, it's because it's now, it's time. We're shooting paintball. And paintball pellets were flying all over this field. Man, it was like a battle for real. And you know who died the quickest? Or who got hit first? The ones who were not thinking that it was a survival game. You know who won? The one who got down behind this long barrel and hung out there until there was only maybe like two or three opponents left. They won because they walked away. See the difference? When you come flying out of there and you start shooting opponents, you also expose yourself to go take hits. A lot of heroes are dead. Just some thinking about timing and time. When you compete, it's a game. So act like it's a game. Learn all the tricks. Learn how to shoot faster. Learn how to move faster. Learn how to get your gun out of the holster faster. But don't confuse it with reality. In reality, everything's calculated. Okay? Thoughts about time. Time is more important and more valuable than money. You can get more money, but you can't get more time. It is time. I always liked Arnold. Not as a governor or anything, but as an actor and as a character. All the way back from his bodybuilding days. How about if I just let you guys hear some well wishes from some famous people for a few minutes and then we'll get back to going as our normal stuff. But, you know, this show is so different. I was just thinking about how other gun, gun blogs and gun shows talk about, you know, what Ruger is doing, what Smith & Wesson is doing, what the new AR is. I try to give you a little bit more about life and things to make you remember the good times, the bad times, things to help you survive another week. I truly do. Try to throw a lot of wisdom in here. And guess what? It's all free. Keep what you like and get rid of what you don't. Hopefully, we both will share a smile this week, this last week of 2010. Hey, Arnold. Hello, this is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Season greetings and best wishes for a joyous holiday. All right. Thanks, Arnold. Hey, I got somebody else here on the line for you. Hold on. This is Danny DeVito, and I'd like to wish you the best for the holiday season. All right. Two for two. How about one more? Now we'll go to something else. Hi, I'm 
I'm Little Richard, wishing you plenty of tutti fruity cake for Christmas. Okay, that's a little off. But we'll be right back after this. Tutti fruity. Is the cost of ammo bringing you down? Are you ready to have fun with your firearm again? If you need ammo, your friend and brother from a different mother has the answer. LuckyGunner.com Good prices. LuckyGunner.com If your time is valuable, LuckyGunner.com Order your ammo today. LuckyGunner.com Where you won't waste your time and the shipping is fast. It's 110% guaranteed. LuckyGunner.com Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget, crossbreedholsters.com. I'm not an actor, but I play one on TV. And that's why I bikini wax with the new and improved, gee, your groin looks well-groomed. What do you think of the Urban Shooter podcast? Leave a review for Ken on iTunes at the end of this show. All right, it's the end of the year, and uh, I'm just looking at all the movies that happened last in the last year. I just saw Tron. Hey, don't spend your money on that one. Ooh, it was bad. And it wasn't that much 3D in it. What a, what a hose. But one of the things that happened in the movie was it had a co-star, um, little brunette chick. I'm not sure what her name was. I got to go back and look at the credits. But something that Barbara Baird, who won't be with us this week, shared with us last about how younger women are looking for that strong female in every movie now. And looking back, ever since Sigourney Weaver, we've had more and more strong female roles. Now there's still the sex element in there, but... Think about all the dark-haired, sexy chicks in the last couple of action flicks that you've seen. I mean, we got Jessica Alba, Angelina Jolie, which is timeless, even though she's no shrinking violet. Kate Beckinsale, Mila Jovovich, whatever her name is, the crazy Alice chick from the Resident Evil. How about a little Terminator lady? Summer Glau, I think her name is. Lots of action-packed chicks that it's kind of changing their whole mentality and I like it. One of my top ones is uh, Michelle Rodriguez when she's not in trouble. Hot chick. And then we got the blondes. Sometimes she changes her hair color. Um, that's Shirley's Theron chick. Nice woman. Nice actress. Uh, Carrie Moss. Matrix. You know that, right? Uh, about Liv Taylor. Linda Hamilton, Rona Mitra, I think her name is, mm-hmm. the Underworld Babe, Megan Fox. How about Gina Gershon? You see a trend of the dark hair? How about the lady from uh, Blade 3, uh, Leonor 
Barella, I think her name is. Can't ever say no about Megan Good. Um, how about uh, Ziyi Zhang? Uma Thurman still hanging in there. Even the, the games, for you gamers, game chicks are way over the top. Metal Gear Solid has like almost pornographic chicks. Sniper Wolf, uh, who else is on there? You know what I'm talking about. If you if you play that stuff, look at the chicks on Soul Calibur. Or, I mean, they're just out of this world. Faith on Mirror Edge, Bayonetta, um, let's see, Rachel from Ninja Gated, and uh, my favorite all-time movie though for this year has been The Book of Eli. And even there, you got that little chick name. Uh, forgot what her name was. Myla Kunis, I think, is her real name. Strong women has always been sexy. I'm glad. I'm glad that Barbara made me remember that part. I'm glad that um, we're doing more in the gun world with women. Um, you know, I just dig strong women, period. It's just nice having them around, different mentality. You can see things better. And uh, if you got one on your team as a shooter, man, nothing better. The detail, attention to detail in a sniper team or high stress environment, nice. Hey, but that's just me. gonna hit some news here in a minute you know there was a man sitting in a bar just looking at his drink and he stays like that for about an, uh, half an hour and then a big tough looking truck driver steps up next to him takes the drink from the guy and just drinks it all down and the poor man starts crying the truck driver says come on man I was just joking here I'll buy another drink I just can't see can't stand to see a man cry and the guy says no it's not that this day is the worst of my life. First, I fall asleep and I'm late to my office. My boss in an outrage fires me. When I leave the building to my car, I find out it was stolen. The police say they can't do anything about it. I get a cab to return home. And when I leave it, I remember I left my wallet and my credit cards in the cab. The cab driver just drives away. I go home and when I get there, I find my wife sleeping with the gardener. I leave home and I come to this bar. And when I think, was thinking about putting it into my life, you show up here and drink my poison. This is 2010, a year in review. This segment of the news is actually coming from some highlights taken from the new Gun Week magazine. And the article was actually written by Dave Workman, the senior editor. The year began in 2010 with the news that concealed carry permit and license applications across the country had spiked significantly upward. Yet, contrary to dire predictions from gun prohibitionists, police reported slayings had declined. In mid-December 2009, the Supreme Court handed gun manufacturers a victory by rejecting an appeal by the Brady Center to prevent gun violence in the case of Adams v. Beretta, a suit that challenged the constitutionality of the Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act. Browning unveiled its 75th anniversary high-power pistol 
and Ed Brown introduced the Masada Ayub Signature Series All Steel Commander Size 45 ACP in honor of one of the nation's foremost authorities on the use of firearms in self-defense. It was even a year for knives. The Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms and SAF joined forces with the Knife Rights Organization in New Hampshire, backing legislation to ease restrictions on carrying knives. I learned a new term this year, constitutional carry. Lawmakers in Kansas began mulling their version of the Firearms Freedoms Act, while Wyoming lawmakers began considering concealed carry without a license, also known as constitutional carry. And I believe Arizona now has it. After many years in business, KBI, which marketed the Charles Daly Firearms, closed its doors, blaming financial woes on the market collapse for AR-type rifles. The anti-gun Brady campaign to prevent gun violence launched a national campaign to force Starbucks to ban customers who openly carried firearms, even though the coffee giant insisted it open its doors to everyone, provided they follow state law. Later in the year, it will be revealed that Starbucks' profits actually skyrocket in the months after the boycott effort fizzled. While everyone was focused on the Supreme Court and its Second Amendment deliberations in the McDonald case, the Washington State Supreme Court handed down a blockbuster ruling that said the Second Amendment applies to the states through the 14th Amendment Due Process Clause. The case involved a teen who was arrested with a handgun under his car seat. The ruling was written by veteran Justice Richard Sanders, who incredibly lost his re-election bid in November, raising concerns about the new makeup of the state's highest court. Sanders' opinion came down three months before the McDonald ruling. Oral arguments in the McDonald case were held in early March with attorney Alan Gura, representing SAF and ISRA, and the individual plaintiffs, and Paul Clement, stepping in for the NRA, which had successfully petitioned the court for 10 minutes of argument. About the same time, the parent company of Ringling Brothers and Barnum Bailey Circus filed a lawsuit against the Humane Society of the United States under a federal law prohibiting racketeering. The Brady campaign to prevent gun violence issued its annual gun control report card with no surprises. States with the strictest gun laws got the highest marks, while states with the most relaxed gun laws got failing marks. As spring unfolded, the Massachusetts Supreme Court upheld the state's gun lock statute in the case of Commonwealth v. Richard Runyon. Meanwhile, a poll of Rasmussen reports found that 69% of Americans believe that cities cannot ban handguns. New Mexico Governor Bill Richardson signed legislation to legalize concealed carry in restaurants licensed to serve beer and wine unless the establishment is posted off-limits by the owner or manager. Indiana lawmakers approved legislation to prohibit employers from banning firearms on their properties, kept in locked vehicles by employees. Students in Texas won a fight in federal court against Tarrant County College, which had prohibited them from staging an empty halter protest on campus. The court said the college had violated the students' First Amendment rights. Thousands of Illinois gun owners converged on the Capitol and Springfield for their annual march in support of gun rights. In California, State Representative Lori Saldana, Democrat of San Diego, unveiled a bill to outlaw the open carry of unloaded firearms. The measure later died, but not before it galvanized open carry activists in the Golden State and all along the West Coast. An attempt to destroy once-fired military brass, rather than allow it to be recycled, 
and used by reloaders or small ammunition companies, got the attention of Montana Senators Max Baucus and John Tester. They intervened, causing the military to rethink its destruction program. It was later learned that Alliant Technologies, ATF, which operated the government's Lake City Ammunition Plant, as well as owning several well-known outdoor brands, had been involved in blocking the civilian recycling of once-fired military brass. However, the president of ATK later rescinded the company's policy. Aha! Arizona Governor Jan Brewer signed legislation allowing constitutional carry of firearms openly or concealed without a permit. After five controversial years, the Minuteman force disbanded. These volunteers had provided a border watch program along the southern border with Mexico. Iowa gun owners cheered when Governor Chet Culver signed legislation that will open the Hawkeye State to shall issue concealed carry. The new law takes effect January 1, 2011, although there is some resistance from a few sheriffs. Arizona lawmakers passed landmark knife preemption legislation that prohibits cities and towns from adopting their own knife regulations. Subsequently, New Hampshire Governor John Lynch signed legislation removing restrictions on so-called switchblades and other knives. Under fear of legal action, the Board of Trustees at Colorado State University rescinded their ban on concealed carry for properly licensed individuals on campus, making it a major victory for the students of concealed carry on campus. The big one, of course, was the Supreme Court's June 28, 5-4 ruling in McDonald v. City of Chicago. This long-awaited case brought Second Amendment incorporation to state and local governments, paving the way for court challenges to any number of existing gun laws that may not stand up in court. Henceforth, say gun rights activists, court cases will be determining where the boundaries exist in terms of reasonable regulation. The ruling left in its wake a considerable amount of confusion because reporters got McDonald confused with a case filed by the National Rifle Association. At one point during the appeals process, the two cases had been joined, but they were appealed separately in the high court. A minor flap erupted later in the year when coverage of the McDonald ruling in National Rifle Association magazines omitted any mention of the Second Amendment Foundation or attorney Alan Gura and left many people, including Gun Talk radio host Tom Gresham, convinced that the National Rifle Association was taking credit for the SAF case. Within days of the ruling, Chicago adopted a restrictive new gun ordinance, and days after that, the first lawsuit was filed against the ordinance by the Illinois Association of Firearms Retailers, who were supported by the NRA. Second Amendment Foundation quickly filed lawsuits against onerous gun laws in North Carolina, New York, and Maryland, along with suits in Chicago over its handgun ordinance and in New Jersey and the District of Columbia. The Supreme Court declined to hear an appeal in a lawsuit against Glock, stemming from the 1999 crime spree of white supremacist Buford Furrow, who shot several children at the North Valley Jewish Community Center and then gunned down postal carrier Joseph Ileto in California. An appeals court had dismissed the case earlier under the Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act, and the High Court's rejection of the case closes the door. In other developments, Remington announced that it would be removing 
production of Marlin rifles to two locations in New York and Kentucky as Marlin's Connecticut facility is closed down. There is, of course, a lot more, like Amtrak is now involved in this whole thing. I don't want to read everything that the great Dave Workman wrote, senior editor of Gun Week, but you can find it on gunweek.com. Look for the new Gun Week. All right, and that's some highlights from the year that was 2010. You know, I'm a big time Trek fan, right? So I'm sitting here at the bar with all my Klingon brothers. And uh, I had to share this with you. Hello, everybody. This is William Shatner. And a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hi, this is George Takei from Star Trek. Wishing all beings on all planets a Merry Christmas and a Warp Speed New Year. Hi, this is Jonathan Frakes from Star Trek The Next Generation. Wishing the entire universe a happy holiday season. And if I'm going to tell you one thing, I'm going to tell you this. Have a safe and happy New Year and Christmas. But don't drink and drive. Do one or the other. Last week on Zombie Strike, part 56, we're still in our village of Ruskin Island in the Corsica, and uh, Colin Dubois is getting the crap beat out of him by a giant golem-like creature that's slapping him around with a giant black axe, and Colin's about done. I mean, he's on his back, he's on the ground, and this thing is huge. It's like, I don't know, the guy from Jaws on uh, the old James Bond movie, and he's beating the crap out of Colin. And Colin's only saving his chest by using his M4, which is taking the, the beat down. Well, he's about to close his eyes and kiss his butt goodbye. When out of nowhere, like a big hillbilly, the Steve pops up, barrels into the golem, knocks the guy out, or knocks the golem down, and Slim and Big Steve pull him to safety. Isn't that cool? But it doesn't stop there. Slim whoops out his scatter gun and blasts holes in the golem. And the golem dies. Yay! But the Steve and the Slim are still about business and they have to go and finish the trap that's supposed to be set by the team. So they give him the scatter gun and tell old Colin to just hang out here until they come back. Well, they shoot him up with some happy juice, the pain goes away, and he's just chilling like a villain. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Alan, minion number two, pops up and uh, gives him some bad news. And also snatches his big behind into the shadows. Man, just when you thought it was safe to chill, here comes Alan. Dang, I thought Dubois was going to be all right this time. But he's not. And that brings us to episode 57 of Zombie Strike. This is Zombie Strike. Part 57. The Village of Roska, Island of Corsica. 14 August 2010. 0245 hours local. Countdown. One year, two months, 16 days. Mateo Cortez took a step back as a zombie grabbed at him. He let his M4 fall on its sling and grabbed his pistol. The SIG 250 barked twice and the zombie fell back. 
Mateo slid back another few steps as more zombies lunged from the broken kiosk. Mateo took down the first two with double taps. The third grabbed Mateo's pistol. Mateo let go of the pistol. He hated close quarters with zombies. Mateo yanked his fighting knife and jabbed it through the zombie's eye. Mateo jerked the blade out. The last zombie was pushed and pushed Mateo to the ground. Mateo rolled, trying to bring up his M4. The zombie lunged down. Billy slammed into the zombie. With one savage snap, the spirit wolf crushed the zombie's head. Mateo rose to his feet as Jess ran up to her foster father. She had another half-dozen zombies down with a series of shots. Mateo took a second to survey the plaza. His team was fighting the 200 zombies that emerged from the kiosk and the fountain. From the echoing sounds of hunting moans, hundreds more were boring down on them. Jim, you and Sport fall back to the town center, Mateo ordered. The tall cowboy slammed the butt of his rifle into a fountain zombie and nodded. Quentin, Tredegar, over here. The team's actual close quarters battle fighter had his warhammer out and in action. A pile of crushed undead laid at his feet. Quentin decapitated two more zombies with a lightning pair of strikes before retreating back toward the team leader. Tredegar followed the big man eagerly. He still looked in shock at the sheer number of the undead. At least he was firing his weapon. Mateo needed to get his team together where they could hold out against the zombies. The only place to make a stand looked like the town center, the building that his team was supposed to be assaulting. Well, the worst that would happen is that his team would be pinned down between truth cultists and a horde of zombies. They'd been in worse spots before. As soon as Jim and Sport were in front of the building, Mateo ordered the retreat. The four humans and one spirit wolf sprinted to the door. The zombies, sensing their prey escaping, let out a chorus of hunting moans and shambled as fast as they could. The horde grew as smaller groups of zombies joined. By the time the team had joined up at the front of the town center, the horde easily numbered over 300. And that was just the first wave. There wasn't time to dally. Mateo looked over the door quickly. It was a large steel double door, maybe 10 feet high by 6 feet wide. The door lock was a key card type, like the hotels used. Probably too strong for Quentin to knock open. That left one other option. Sport, blow the door, Mateo ordered. The Brit nodded and trotted over to the door. Wait, Tredegar said as he fumbled through one of the bags. He pulled out what looked like a credit card. Try this. Sport looked over at Mateo. The team leader nodded. Sport slipped the card into the lock. The metallic click was audible over the ragged chorus of hunting moans. Mateo quickly signaled for Jim and Quentin to clear the entryway. As Sport opened the right door, Jim and Quentin charged through with guns up. Where'd you get that key? Mateo asked Tredegar as they waited for the clear signal. Found it on one of the guys we killed earlier. Tredegar answered, referring to the firefight when the teams entered the town. It looked kind of important. Mateo nodded. 
This was why he brought Tredegar along. The man was almost psychic when it came to intelligence. Fair enough, Mateo said. We're clear, boss, Mateo said over the radio. Mateo hand-signaled for the rest of the team to get into the building. Mateo waited until his team was in before he trotted inside. As soon as Mateo was in, Sport slammed the door shut. Mateo wasn't, was glad they didn't need to blow the door. Now he had only had to worry about the cultist in the building. Getting back out might be interesting, but he'd worry about that later. Worse came to worse. They'd Saigon off the roof of the town center. The room was pitch black. There wasn't enough ambient light for the night vision to work. Mateo turned on his weapon light. The rest of the team followed suit. The lobby of the town center looked more like a bank than a town hall. A row of tele windows was opposite of the front door. There was some kind of workspace behind the tele windows. On either side were conference rooms. The team had already cleared those. To the right of the teller windows was a door with a sign in Italian. Mateo didn't know Italian, but his Spanish worked well enough to get a rough translation. Village offices. Or something close to that. That way, Mateo said, pointing at the door. Quentin tried the handle, locked. Quentin hit it with his hammer. The door slammed open. Two cultists in badly fitted tactical gear squinted as the white beams of high-powered lights hit them. Alive, Mateo growled. Jim stepped into the door and slammed his rifle butt into the right cultist's face. The man went down without a sound. Quentin's hammer connected with the other cultist's knee in a wet crunch. The man screamed in pain. Mateo scowled as Quentin clamped his massive hand over the man's mouth. The screaming went into a muted noise. Tredegar knelt next to the man and injected him with a painkiller. What are you doing? Mateo demanded. Wait, Tredegar said, holding a finger up. Mateo bit down his angry retort. Tredegar was a professional. Mateo had to trust him to know what he was doing. The screaming lessened as the drug took effect. Tredegar waited for several long moments. Then, Tredegar talked to the cultist in a language Mateo didn't know. It sounded similar to Spanish. The cultist replied in slurred Italian. The two exchanged a few quick bursts of unintelligible speech. Finally, the cultist leaned back and went still. There's a stairwell at the back, Tredegar said. It's normally guarded, but most of the guards left to deal with Colin's team. He didn't know how many more truth members were down there, but it should be support staff and leadership, just the people we're here to apprehend. Sport walked over to the resting cultist, drew his pistol, and placed two rounds into the man. Tredegar let out a strangled cry. We're not here to bloody apprehend these people, Sport said. We're here to wipe out this base and every member of the truth on this island. He casually holstered his weapon and stepped back. Tredegar looked pleadingly over to Mateo. Sport's right, Matredegar. Mateo said in a low voice. If we can capture any of the high rankers for you without undue risk, 
we will. Otherwise, anyone who would willingly join the truth will not leave this island alive. Tredegar looked to the others in the team. Only Quentin looked disturbed by sports actions, but he didn't say anything. Defeated, Tredegar didn't say anything further. The team crept down the hallway. As they approached the stairwell, light began to filter up from the lower level. The team slinked down the stairs with weapons up. The lower level was brilliantly lit with rows of fluorescent lights running the length of the ceiling. As the team came out of the stairwell, they were in a corridor some 50 feet in length. At the end of the corridor was some kind of arch. Shadows hid what was under the arch. The floors and walls were unpainted concrete. There were three evenly spaced metal doors on either side of the corridor. Mateo motioned the team forward. They had gone only a few yards when a wave of power swept the hallway. Mateo hated the nauseating feeling. A familiar voice echoed through the corridor. Seriously, Colin, you should be thanking me right now, Alan said as he exited the arch, dragging a wounded Colin behind him. The tall sorcerer for the truth stopped as he saw the weapons of Mateo's team leveled at him. He was surprised by the team's appearance, but showed no sign of fear. A devious smile spread across Alan's face. Oh, good. I don't have to go looking for you. This concludes another installment of the narrated story Zombie Strike by Derek Ward. Join us next time for another exciting edition of the ongoing saga. This product is protected by copyright owned by Blanchard Studios, Kenneth Blanchard, and other individuals or entities. Any production, retransmission, republication, or any other use of part or audio found on this site is expressly prohibited unless prior written permission has been granted by Kenneth Blanchard or the appropriate copyright owner. All other rights reserved. All right. Hey, what did you get for Christmas anyway? We got our son um, some more stuff to help him be uh, next Bruce Leroy. Got him one of these um, punching guys. Looks like a real person. And that thing was hard to get. It wasn't heavy or anything. Just really odd trying to get that thing in your car. It was like you were stealing a body. And then um, I wanted to make sure that it was a surprise because he's like old now. Second year in college. And he still wanted to have that kind of joy from sharing in Christmas, you know. And he knew about the other little stuff we got him, like, you know, watches and stuff. But I wanted to give him something to make his eyes light up. So I had to hide that big dude, um, and I put him in a blind spot. You know how when you're pieing around a room, unless you pie the right way, you'll miss people that are hidden really close to the wall? Well, I hid this dude and put a Christmas uh, Santa Claus hat on him and some black man with a gun glasses and a red rain shirt. Man, that thing creeped me out. Every time I looked, I kept seeing this guy just standing there next to the Christmas tree on the other side of the room. Oh, it just took me all I could do for not to shoot the thing. Well, anyway, it worked, man. Came down Christmas Day. He, everybody had like a little cold. Like, I'm still fighting something right now. And uh, everybody comes running down the stairs, and they turn that corner, and there's this dude like right on the side with the glasses and the Santa Claus hat and watching everybody make a, a weird motion because they almost fall out. That was kind of cool. I got an iPad 
So I'm like supporting Apple once again. And uh, I'm happy, man. I'm just happy. Got the wife the ring. But I'm going to tell you how I got it. I actually took a hint from last year. See, last year my wife was taking a nap on New Year's Eve before the festivities. And after she woke up, she said, I just dreamed that you gave me a diamond ring for a New Year's present. What do you think it all means? And I said, ha, 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 you'll know tonight. Well, after midnight and New Year's was chiming, I went up to her and I handed her a little small package. And she got all happy and started ripping the papers all up. And she looked at it and it was a book entitled The Meaning of Dreams. Yeah, it didn't go over too well. But this year, aha, I am the man once again. And my daughter, we paid for her trip to go visit her cousin, who's a cousin, military guy. So we just, just did that little thing. Got my, got my dog a nice bone, but she devoured that thing like in a half hour. So that was a short gift thing for her. Got to find something else. I want to get uh, some fufu clothes for this Doberman. Big old something I can, she can wear outside when we go walking. Got to look for a, uh, I did get a magazine though. Had some stuff in it. If I can find something that doesn't look too, uh, too crazy. But we'll keep it warm. That's the key thing. Her little light hair. It's cold, man. That cold air came in and slapped us around, didn't it? But it's all good. I'm looking forward to 2011. Because if I didn't, that means I'd be dead, right? See? It's all your point of reference. So I don't care how bad life is, you're still living. And if you have nobody else to talk to, you got me. All my friends on the internet. Ain't no joke. I don't hang out with nobody. It's true. So if I don't get an email or a call from you, just me and the dog. My family doesn't pay me any attention other than that. It's true. January 6th, Silver Eagle Group. We're going to go out to that highfalutin range out there in Ashburn, Virginia. Still got a couple tickets. If you want to make it down here, we're going to start off about 6 o'clock, I believe, from 6 to 8 out at the Silver Silver Eagle Group range. And uh, let me know if you up for that. Might even record for that. That might be part of episode 200. Yeah, that might just be it. Most of the gun companies are all getting ready for the SHOT Show out in Vegas. I'm not going to make it this year. But uh, if you're going... Um, Bring me something back. Maybe next year. Next year I'll be all right. Check out uh, blackmanwithagun.com, the new website. Check out the show notes for episode 198. All the notes will be there. It has a new look, a new feel. Um, I've combined In the Wilderness Ministries. I've combined Urban Shooter Podcast and Black Man with a Gun. Everything's all in one spot now. Quick shout out to ESS iPro. If you don't have any eye gear, I guarantee you can't go wrong with ESS iPro. If you don't have a lawyer and you carry concealed, check out slateandjones.com. And if you mention Ken Blanchard, if you put that in a promo code, you'll save 20 bucks. Yep. Check out the link on blackmanwithagun.com. 
for details. The Urban Shooter Podcast has an app. Also, it's all available on Android now, I do believe, and BlackBerry too. So check it out. If you have either of those phones, there is an Urban Shooter app. And what that does is it allows you to stream it without using up any of your space. But you can keep that for your songs and your pictures. Not shabby at all. The Urban Shooter app, available on iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Check out the new blackmanwithagun.info, the forums for the Urban Shooter Podcast listener. It's a quiet little form, a little sleepy form. If you don't want all the noise and the chatter of the other ones, because there's like a million forums in the world. If you want a nice little small one, safe one, kid-friendly, I recommend this one. Just like me, family approved. All right, that's the clue that it's time to slide off the tail of the dinosaur and head on out for 2011. It's been a great year and only because I've been with you. Thank you for those on Facebook. Thank you for those who Twitter. And you can follow me on both at K-E-N-N Blanchard, B-L-A-N-C-H-E-R-D. You can find me on blackmanwithagun.com. Email me at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com or Ken at UrbanShooterPodcast.com or wherever toys are sold. I'm your friend and your brother from different mother, the pastor of Pistoleros, Patriots, and Paladins, wishing you a very happy new year. It's going to be a good year. I can guarantee it. I always try to be ready. Was this revolver loaded and cocked? Well, a gun that's unloaded and cocked ain't good for nothing. You tell him, Duke. Until next year, I wish you peace. Be safe. Shalom, baby. When you're as old as I am, you'll thank me for this.